Hey everyone, you are listening to another episode of the Divergent Conversations podcast, Stumbling Over My Words. I'm your co-host Patrick Casal, joined today by Dr. Neff. And we are going to talk about autistic emotions. And Megan, you brought this up before we started mm-hmm. recording. So why autistic emotions? Well, you know, in the our most recent podcast, when we were talking about therapy and some of our experience with therapy, I was struck by you know, both of us talking about how intrusive it felt when people asked how we were feeling or where in our bodies. And I I just think it's a really interesting topic. I know I have really complex relationship to emotions. And so I just thought it'd be really interesting to dive into the autistic experience of emotions. Again, knowing there's obviously a diversity of how we all experience it, but we can talk about our experiences. Yeah, so... I agree with you. And I know we we brought it up a lot when we were talking about finding ND affirming therapists and what it feels like to be in therapy, mm-hmm. um, questions that are not appreciated or that don't really land or go over well. So when we're thinking about, you know, the, the complex conversation around autistic emotion, where does your mind go? What are you thinking mm-hmm. about? Um, I think the, the first place my mind goes is a memory, actually. Um So it was my, I think it was my, either my first or my second session with, with the therapist I mentioned in our last podcast, the one I worked with for four and a half years. Um, And I I was nervous going, going into, I think I'd been on his wait list for like nine months. So there's, whenever you're on a wait list a long time, there's like built up anticipation. Um, And I started talking, I started getting some emotion in my voice, which I hate when, and that's my first tell. I'm not really a crier, but my voice, um, you can hear it in my voice when I start feeling emotions. So I start, my voice started to shake. I can't, I don't even remember what I was talking about. But then I was like, sorry, I hate emotions. And then I, and I kept talking. Um, and my therapist, like very just patient, curious man. After I stopped whatever rant I was on, he was like, I'm sorry, did you just say you hate emotions? And here I am like a psychologist in training in my first therapy with a psychoanalytic therapist. And I somehow, without meaning to disclose this, like said, I hate emotions, which I just find kind of hilarious because A, I'm a therapist. Um, Emotions are my world, but also very true. Like I, I think I don't like, I mean, there's some emotions I like, but I do think I have this bias of I don't like feeling hijacked by emotions. I don't like the experience of emotions. I don't like the vulnerability of emotions. I definitely don't like feeling emotions in front of another human. Um, I have a really complicated relationships to emotions, which is just kind of funny because I'm a freaking psychologist. It's one of those therapist things, right? Like where both can be true. Mm-hmm. You know how often we like to throw that fucking phrase out there. Oh. But that is true. Um, because I imagine that when you're in the room with someone, you are really attuned to them Mm -hmm. and really absorbing and picking up on their own emotion and their own uh, sensory overload and stimulation Mm -hmm. and everything that's happening for them. And, but that does, I think the introspective like worldview of like, but I really struggle with this Mm -hmm. is, is really Mm -hmm. honest, raw. And and that's really true. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's I, way easier to enter someone else's emotions than than mine. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot safer to do uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Um, 
there's a lot less vulnerability in so as well. And I I also struggle with what you're saying. Like, I don't get it in my throat. Usually Mm -hmm. I'll myself like tearing up Mm -hmm. and my spontaneous reaction Mm -hmm. is to like close my Mm -hmm. eyes really hard and then Mm -hmm. just it's gone. Mm -hmm. And therapist will be like, what the hell was that? Oh, I like your therapist. Yeah, she's good. Like, so tracking all this stuff, and um, you know, I think what I'll also feel is like if I'm starting to feel like water behind my eyes, right? Like when I'm starting to feel like the that feeling, but my instinct is always to repress and always to dissociate and always to numb, and Mm -hmm. you know, call it childhood trauma mixed with autism neurodevelopmental stuff going on like I really have a hard time with that and and also very typically just flat affect like not showing a lot yeah blank stare a lot of the time Mm -hmm. I think that you know for people in our world I imagine people who are close to us that can be very challenging as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely so, I mean, we talked this a uh, couple episodes ago, we talked about like special interests and that's when a person becomes animated. Like I think my effect and my emotions and my face, when I'm talking about a special interest, I can get in my emotions. But outside of that, yeah, I'm pretty flat. I remember seeing a picture of myself. I think I was in seminary at the time or college and I just, I looked so flat and I, someone had taken it. I was like in a classroom um, and I was like, why do I look like that? And the person who had taken it was like, you always look like that. And I was, I was shocked um, that, and I think if I'm not trying to manipulate my face, like right now I'm seeing myself on camera, I'm manipulating my face a little bit, like super flat. When that person said that, what started to come up for you around that? I was kind of hor- like, I was a little bit horrified because I didn't like how it looked. It looked very serious. It looked very stern almost. Um right. So, and then also I just didn't, I didn't see myself that way. So it was kind of one of those moments of like, what's, what's happening here? Yeah. What about like intensity? I think well, that, intense. Well, Is that what yeah. you're asking? Yeah. That's the word that gets thrown around a lot. Intensity. Like, uh-huh. you know, because you're kind of like, you're flat. You're like just staring into that person's fucking soul. Uh-huh. In there. It's like, but I'm not meaning to do that. It's just uh-huh. how I show up. And uh-huh. it's like, very intense so i think for people mm-hmm. who don't know you well or have just met mm-hmm. you it's like oof this is a mm-hmm. bit of an intimidation or like this feels uncomfortable to some degree it's it's bare right the flat effect there's like a bareness to it a vulnerability to it that i think can be uncomfortable for a lot of people yeah because i think a lot of people are like what well, how do, what do i say here how do i react in in this mm-hmm. uh, in this in- interaction um yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that if my therapist or someone was to ask me how I'm feeling most of the time, I can't name it. I'm yeah, very yeah. often like, same. How am I feeling? Absolutely. Yeah, it's not something I've been thinking about. Uh, I'm feeling like the way I, I wish I could put it into words, like the constant feelings of the way I experience living. It's so I'm hearing myself talking. Like, what the fuck are you saying? I, <laughs> The way I experience like my day to day is like this constant buzz of anxiety and mm-hmm. discomfort and mm. um, 
feeling unsettled and just like mm-hmm. my you you I'm even feeling it right now like my legs are really tense and I'm like mm-hmm. really shifting my ankles a lot of the time and like mm-hmm. I'm just so uncomfortable all the time and I think mm-hmm. that's if you were to ask me how are you feeling that's how I'm feeling but that's not a feeling word like that's not an emotion it's just right like, it's a sensory un- yeah. uncomfortable yeah yeah but that's constant so like it's uh-huh. like you're living in this constant discomfort that's a sensory hell that's a- and then overthinking everything and analyzing everything and absorbing everything and i guess the emotion is it's fucking exhausting mm-hmm. like that's you know a word i would use for a feeling word yeah yeah you know i um i wonder if that's part of it i'm, I'm kind of thinking I'm thinking while I'm talking here. Always a fun, always a fun dynamic. Um, you know, emotions are a sensory experience. And I wonder if that's part of why a lot of us do shut down emotions is like, I'm so overwhelmed by my sensory system and sensory experience. There's no way I'm going to also like throw in emotions on top of that um, yeah. because th- it is a sensory experience. And, and so I think if we're living in a world and we're overwhelmed by our sensory experience already, it actually is kind of an adaptive coping strategy to like, I'm going to shut down the emotional experience because I'm not going to add to the sensory load. Right. Because that would just be way too much. <laughs> yeah. Because it already feels like too much a lot of the time. <laughs> so how can I possibly then tap into that world as well? And then like mm-hmm. try to decipher what the hell is happening for me? Yeah. Uh, I think that most people would describe me as like pretty calm and even keeled. A lot of the time, like I don't show highs and lows very often. And like you said, special interests, maybe my energy levels will peak a bit. Maybe my effect will like go up a bit. But honestly, it's pretty low most of the time. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm a pretty low energy human being. And yeah, at least in terms of like what I'm displaying and, and putting out to the world. But in my mind, I feel like it's going just constant, nonstop thoughts, just overwhelm, anxieties, panics, like uh, ideas, creativity, like all the stuff. But it's like very, very uh, bare and it's it's really not um, present or at least visible to the naked eye. What what do you because I, I hear this a lot in autistic people and, and I think it's one of the reasons we're often misunderstood in therapy. Um, like what do you make of so internally, like you're describing a very agitated, stressful, anxious experience, but people are reading it as calm. Yeah. What do you make of that disconnect? And how does it impact you? I don't know. I I, I think it feels so uh disjointed or just not mm-hmm. congruent like things feel so um i think you can often feel misunderstood because yeah, yeah. your experience is not what they're experiencing because of how you're presenting <laughs> right and right so you may be feeling like really agitated or irritated or stressed but you're <laughs> presenting very flat and mm-hmm. then you can sometimes wait i should not generalize i can sometimes then get frustrated with the receiving end, the the other person, because I'm like, you're not, you're not like understanding how I'm experiencing life right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I'm also not giving you anything to work with. So it's really not on you to read my mm-hmm. fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's sort of like double reality. Um, I, I imagine that adds to a lot of like stress and relationship confusion. Yeah. I know we've talked about that too. Um, having, you know, difficulty in building and creating relationships because mm-hmm. you're, it's just a confusing, it feels like, um, not a tornado because that's not the right word. It just feels like very scattered. Like everything feels like a blur behind the scenes. It's also, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's hard to describe. And I realize that like, as I'm saying that, I just think that it feels like there is a lack of congruency or a, a mm-hmm. just like between mm-hmm. inner and outer world. I really like how you say that, a disconnect between inner and outer world. Yeah, I, I feel that too. Yeah. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It is. What about for you? You know, like when we're talking about this and you've mentioned before just being a high masking human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it often feel similarly where like you're presenting one way in certain situations, but mm-hmm. in the inside it feels completely different? Um. I would say historically, yes. I my life has become really small. It's it's an interesting thing. I think when you have a lot of followers on social media or, or whatnot, people kind of assume a shiny big life. Like, yeah, I rarely leave my house. Um, I rarely interact with other humans outside of my immediate family and my clients who I see via teletherapy. Right everyone who knows I'm autistic, like rarely am I in a space where people don't know I'm autistic. So I experience less of that now. Um, but I experienced it all the time before, but so it it is interesting when you were talking about the inside and the outside, not matching, like my default has always been like, Oh yeah. Cause of masking. And I do think masking is a part of it, but it feels like more than that when I'm hearing you talk about it. And when I think about it, I, I don't have language yet for what it is but it, it feels like more than masking it feels like there's also something else like the the way our emotions are displayed and and with the flat effect that you and i both experience um versus like the agitated inside um i think that's there's more than masking happening there yeah i think you're right i think it's i think we've also probably trained our nervous systems so well to Mm -hmm. to suppress and repress and like really Mm -hmm. try hard to disconnect from what's happening um it's adaptive it is adaptive it is absolutely not from the too muchness yeah 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 no i i think you're what you're describing and you talk about unmasking a lot and and what and and sensory soothing being around people who know who you are mm-hmm. in these small circles, uh, I imagine allows for a little bit of a reprieve or relief. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, like you and I've talked about this. You mentioned Ireland before, and now we're going to go into this mm-hmm. uh, world. Awesome. So I think that when you develop a following, you, a lot of people can become agoraphobic um, mm-hmm. or at least want to shut out the outside world even though mm-hmm. you've created the outside world and huh. 
your career <laughs> is kind of dependent on yeah. it. Yeah. Like I, I often say this all the time. I wish I could just disappear from it. Like I don't. Yeah, me too. Me too. The parts that I've, but I've mm -hmm. created this thing That's where a... I have to show up. And I. Yeah, I, your livelihood depends on it now. Yeah. And, you know, we were, Megan and I were talking before we were recording. I just got done hosting a retreat in Ireland and we had 27 other people there that I was hosting and attending to. And I just, I think it's become significantly more apparent to me how challenging that is emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, and I try really hard, like during the initial like talk where we are like introducing ourselves and kind of setting tensions for the event to just name how I'm experiencing life and how I'm experiencing the sensory overload and how I'm going to have to walk and like step away more often than I would mm -hmm. like to. Yeah. Um, and I will also name like, you know, I'm autistic. I have no problem talking about that and saying that. And sometimes in these small gatherings and social situations, I'm just going to have to leave. Like I cannot yeah. sit here and make small mm -hmm. talk or like mm -hmm. stare at you in your, in your eyes and like attend to mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you yeah. know, I, I hope that nobody takes that personally. I say it very transparently with the best of mm -hmm. intentions, but I also know that sometimes in action, it may not come across as like yeah. caring as, and attuned as I would like it to because of how overwhelmed you become. Mm -hmm. And that is a challenge. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking about how like going to grocery stores or whatnot or other people's houses was really overwhelming for me as um, a young mom when my when my kids were younger because I felt like I had to manage me, but I, I also felt like I had to manage my kids. And I'm just thinking about like, there's something about when I'm, I need to be like consciously aware of what other humans are doing. The idea of leading a retreat and like also be thinking about me, like you're not just in a room with 27 other humans, you're also like kind of managing their experience. Oh my gosh, like, wow. Yeah, no, thank you a lot and i think i've realized that i need a significant amount of recharge time in between um because it's really it's it your your system is just so overloaded with like <laughs> okay you've got to communicate to the vendors okay you've got to manage put out these little fires that are happening throughout and then to be social on top of that yeah that's the part like if if it was just mechanical, like, okay, logistics, da, 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 but then there's people coming up to you, like talking when you're right. in your logistical brain. It's yeah. really hard. So mm -hmm. I, I think that, you know, emotionally, there are, are coping strategies for sure, but a lot of them become unhealthy ones. Um, yeah. As we talked about, right? I was in Ireland. There's, we have a keg of Guinness in the venue. I'm like, I'm going to drink the whole time because that's mm -hmm. going to help me. Uh, mm -hmm. show up in the way that I need to show up in and not yeah. just down, not healthy at all, but, um, certainly a reality for a lot of us. And yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to do like the nerdy thing where I pop up into science here a little bit, but so alexithymia or the difficulty, I actually don't know if I'm saying that word, right. Which is funny. Cause I talk about it all the time. I've heard it pronounced a few different ways. I say alexithymia. Alexithymia, or the difficulty identifying emotions. Um, not that uncommon. One in 10 people have it in the world. But among autistic people, it's like 50, 
to 60% of us have it. I, I have, um, at this point, I would say mild to moderate alexithymia because of work, I've worked with it. Like I've worked, done work around it to improve it. Um, but those of us with alexithymia are way more likely to do what's called avoidant emotional coping, um, which is one of the reasons that we're more prone to mental health conditions. So things like drinking, um, numbing out, like all of those, I'm avoiding the emotions. And we were just talking about our physical body, like our neurology that shuts down. Like our neurology has taught us like shut down the emotion, shut down the emotion. So it makes sense that then we'd also be drawn to more dissociative ways of coping, more avoidant ways of coping with emotions, which ultimately does not tend to serve people well when we fall into those patterns. No, it does not. But I appreciate, I like hearing that. That's that's definitely true for me. Um, and I think, you know, like you mentioned before, trying to figure out why, because it's not just the masking piece, right? And I think, mm-hmm. like you said, it's it's adaptive. It's like potentially life-saving in situations and it's certainly mm-hmm. protective. Um, and I think that, yeah, how often are you in a therapy session or in therapy or, you know, in general where someone's like, okay, we've got to get out of here. Like we, mm. my therapist says that to me all the time. She's like, I know you're going to talk about how you think about it, but I want to know how you feel about it. Mm. And, ooh. See, uh, I, I, something I, and I've said this before, I knew I was autistic. I was like, my thoughts are emotional. When I'm describing how I think about it, something, I'm feeling so much emotion in that. Or when I'm describing a theory that I like or a philosophy that I like, like I'm in my feelings. Like right now, just talking, I'm in my feelings. You can probably see it and hear it. So I kind of feel like that's an holistic thing, this whole like separation of thoughts and feelings that personally, if I'm going to tell you how I'm going to feel, I I am going to use this. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's also uh, it's also a place of protection too. So I mean I think that's what's tricky. Is it can be a defense and like this I think was one of Freud's right classic defenses is um, kind of intellectualizing. Yeah. I but I I've often wondered like is that applicable to autistic people? Not that we can't use it as a defense. I think we totally can. Sure. I also I don't know. I think we've got more integrated emotion cognitive systems or. Um, like, I just see that more commonly where when people are describing their thoughts, they are talking about their emotions. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. And I think you're right. It's an holistic uh, viewpoint to say separate the two. Yeah. And for a lot of people who can do that, that's fantastic. I, I, I find that very challenging to separate because if I'm putting the energy into talking about how mm. I'm feeling or what's happening mm. for me, like that, that takes a lot of mental energy to do that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm not doing it lightly to like dance around mm-hmm. a thing, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. this is explaining my process. Like you can already see how hard it is to explain my process. So like mm-hmm. it's more challenging. What if that's why we're more protective around our words? If because our words are like more like metabolized combined states and i realize that i feel like i'm starting to get into like autistic people are better than which I, I think is a dangerous territory but um like i don't like to talk unless i want to talk 
Um, like I don't like I'm very um scarce with my words. Like I don't like to talk just to talk. And I think, I don't know, what if what you're saying of like you process your words and you metabolize them before like before you use them. Maybe there's a more laborious process happening for us around our words. Yeah, that that sounds like that makes sense to me. You're having a lot of uh, profound moments today of these revelations, but I think that I mean, they're just theories. Like let's let's not this is like just Megan Anna-isms theorizing. Um let's be clear about that. <laughs> I'll give Megan more credit than that, but I think that you're right. I think there is because I mean, you know, I think that's why so often we're we're looking away before we talk, right? Because mm-hmm. we're we're metabolizing what we want to say. We want to say it in a certain way. We want it to come across in a certain way. But there's a lot of intention that goes into speaking and, and communicating in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that also plays a role in terms of like not wanting to have small talk, um, mm-hmm. not wanting yeah. to have artificial conversation. It's like, there's so much energy that goes into communication. Yeah. I don't yeah, want to waste no point it. To it. This stupid yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels um like it feels like a mini self-betrayal to say words that don't matter. Yeah. Or that I don't meet. Absolutely. And I think that's what I mean about the integrated emotion and and verbal systems um of it feels it feels really artificial. It feels pa- like paper. It feels like ah, that's the image coming to my mind when I'm saying words that I don't mean. Yeah, so it feels really thin and flimsy. <laughs> not <laughs> a lot for it to stand on. It's not sturdy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense, you know, because I've said it, you know, I know we all we all think this and say this a lot, but just the inability to have that small talk because of how torturous it can feel to be trapped mm-hmm. in that conversation or... It's just like, do we really have to have mm-hmm. have pleasantries to like have a conversation? I just, I don't see the point of it. And it's so challenging. And mm-hmm. I also know how often we, and I'm being, I'm generalizing, can come across as rude or dismissive or mm-hmm. like we just yeah. don't care. Yeah. And there is a part of that. Like, I just don't care. Like, there's I was just saying part of that's true. Part yeah. of it's true. Like, I don't fucking yeah. care. But like, it's not because I don't care about the person. It's just. Yeah the amount of mental gymnastics my brain has to do in order to have the conversation is important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I like that distinction of it's not that I don't care about the person. It's just this isn't feeling, it doesn't feel like I'm contacting the person, so I don't care about this. Yeah. Now, if it's a conversation where it feels like there, there's true contact or encounter, um, then it feels different. Yeah. And then you'll see the energy level change drastically. Mm-hmm. And the engagement too, uh, opposed to like the mentally or very obviously checked out, like, uh, how do I get out of this conversation? So do allistic people feel like they're contacting each other through small talk? Because that would be like, if they are, then it's like, I have empathy for them of like, oh, no wonder they do this strange thing. Yeah, I guess we should have some allistic people <laughs> on because I can't answer that. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. That would be actually amazing. Like, um, I feel like I heard, this is not my idea. I know someone else had this idea that I'm borrowing it from, but like interview analistic, like there needs to be some way of like calling up your allistic person and be like, is this an allistic thing? 
like a, a little concierge service that you yeah. had in your life? Yeah. You know, I really do want to know that because like, is it, does this actually satisfy and, and feel like connection or is, does this feel <laughs> like expectation, but that it doesn't bother you enough to, to have this like very transactional conversation? Well, I, I've seen it somewhere in some study that um, they, they get dopamine from it. So, I mean, that's cool. And I, I appreciate that you mentioned like I, I have empathy then because yeah. I think that just sounds so exhausting. Um, right, right. I, I would love to experience small talk as an holistic person just to understand like what other people are getting out of it because I, I can't understand it. Yeah. I think, it, you know, we could also sir, segue into eventually like top down versus bottom up thinking too yeah and yeah like hey, do people really think this way and it's like well huh. yeah i mean clearly they do uh, mm -hmm. but i don't and mm -hmm. i i think that the the small talk thing is challenging and i think when we're trying to name emotions if i was to name an emotion around small talk i would say it's like irritation frustration but it's visible because mm -hmm. i'm like not good at my, my wife would say that I'm not good at fixing my face, but if I want to get out of something, I'm going to make it very clear that I want yeah. to get out of something. <laughs> like I'm like looking for the exit point and like backing away physically or like whatever. Uh -huh. the, and someone's like, what? what the fuck is happening? But I can't do it. I, I, um, I'm a little bit more discreet than you. It sounds like I, I get claustrophobic. Like my feeling, I would feel claustrophobic. Um, I it starts to feel a little bit disassociative for me, not on like, large scale but just like that kind of subtle fogging out um it kind of feels like i'm like telling myself what to do and walking through like okay nod so it feel, i feel really trapped yeah um but it takes me a while before i'll get to the point of backing off and leaving oh yeah i need to, i try to do a better job but i have such a hard time because <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it really does become like this visceral yeah physiological reaction where i'm like oh totally i gotta get out of this <laughs> just, yeah yeah this torture so uh -huh. um <laughs> yeah we we need yeah. to we need to do some further exploration of like i would like to have holistic people on to ask these questions to mm -hmm. uh, i want to mm -hmm. know like if it really feels satisfying to be like hey how's your day mm -hmm. going how's the weather like how was work? Um, mm -hmm. All the, all the questions that like make me just cringe and want to crawl out of my skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should um, we should find an holistic person to come on. Um, if you're listening and you're holistic and you want to come be our spokesperson for all holistic people, I have a perfect person in mind. Um, my partner in hosting a lot of my retreats is the exact opposite, neurotypical. Mm -hmm bubbly as hell, happy all the fucking time. And I'll say this to Jennifer's face. And if you listen to this episode, I love you. Um, but like in the morning in Ireland, like wants to make small talk mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'm just like staring at her. Like <laughs> she's like, are you okay? I said, Jen, I really, Oh my just, gosh, let's have her on. Yeah. I, I just, love that. Ask an holistic. I will be conversation. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be good. I'm going to, Let's wait till, okay, but we should wait till we're live so that people who are listening to this can also put in their questions. Right. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a great idea. I think we can uh, make some captions for 
Insta, uh, just asking questions that people want answered. Yeah. Because they really want these answers. Yeah. What do you yeah. want to know from an holistic? I, I really do too. Or there's sometimes where I'm like, I think this is an autistic thing, but like, I, I don't know. Right. And so there's some things of like, is this a normal human thing or is this an autistic thing? Um, yeah. I, I think it sounds uh, fantastic. So um, yeah, it's something to be curious about. And I, I again, just circling back, you know, if you're listening and you're holistic and you're you're having any sort of, you know, emotion around what we're talking about, we don't mean any disrespect by any means, but I think that it would be nice mm -hmm. to know a, uh, the complete different perspective in terms of how you move through the world. Because I personally was thinking about like sending emails and how I have to like, I want to get um, right to this point. Oh, yeah. Then I have to like circle back and mm -hmm. I like, mm -hmm. hey, how are you? And it's always like, Hope you're doing well. Then, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um, so, emotion, this, okay. emotion, like totally. This okay. This is total rabbit trail. Um. So I know there's we're both in the creator space, and there's a lot of thoughts about Chat GPT. Um. And I don't want to get into that, but here's a thought I've had. I think Chat GPT, if used well, can really increase accessibility for autistic people. So, for example. I what something I've done a few times is I'll put in an email and be like, hey, can you this is the email I want to write. And I don't always use it. And if I use it at all, I'm manipulating it quite a bit. But just seeing an example of like, this is what an email, this is what a business email should look like. Right. Um, has been so helpful because it, without a, a lot of autistic people, we need we need to see a visual example to to really understand it. Yeah. So that's one way that I've been using ChatGPT and that I'm encouraging some people, depending on their context, of like, if you don't know how to write that email, throw it in ChatGPT, tell them who you're sending it to, at least just to get a sample. Um, but that, I think ChatGPT, one thing it does is it translates autistic to holistic speech. Yeah, I, that's a great idea. I had never thought about using it that way. I've just been using it to like write marketing emails and I had it write a 20 page kids book for me just to see if it could. Uh, yeah, I think we hopped on right after you had done that. Yeah. World-changing stuff, honestly. But that is such a good idea because I think about the emotional labor that goes into trying mm -hmm. to be in an eldest yeah. typical world mm -hmm. and how much like questioning and self-doubt and stress mm -hmm. and, and frustration and overwhelm goes into communication. And... I, I, it, it can be the simplest stuff. And I think it feels so freeing when you can just be like, here's the point, like here, mm -hmm. sending it to you because that's what yeah. I need to cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've started to send more emails that way too. Like there's sometimes where I will put in the effort to make it sound more holistic, but I've started just sending more direct. Yeah. Um, the other thing I've started doing, this one's harder for me. My great, so I as a kid, I definitely had surface level dyslexia and I'm seeing it now that I have that lens. I'm like, oh, I see it. Like I'll misspell words or the, the I have a lot of grammar errors, but also like I'll spell a word that I did, I wasn't meaning to spell. Um, and I, I used to get really obsessive in looking through my emails for all grammar errors. At this point, I probably get a hundred emails a day. So like, I can't do that. So I'm sending like either I don't respond or I'm going to be sending off like grammatically incorrect emails. And so that's something I'm doing of like getting more comfortable sending off imperfect emails. I like that. I sometimes mess my emails up like purposefully to oh. some of that rigidity and perfectionism that shows up. Mm -hmm. 
it'd be like, send it. Like who, you know, mm-hmm. what's the world here? And uh, 99% of the time, people don't say anything. 1% of the time, someone's like, oh, you spelled this wrong. I'm like, well, I guess you can, <laughs> you're probably not someone that we're going to work together with. Um, I was thinking, I don't want to diverge too much right now, but I was thinking about like holistic um, business meetings at work. Like I used to be in leadership and I felt like we just had meetings to have meetings to have meetings. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Void. So physically painful. Five meetings scheduled today about the same thing. Yeah. Just like talked about and figured out in Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. But yet I spent seven hours doing this. And I was, I remember, I remember years ago being, I, I asked the meeting coordinator, I'm like, do you just enjoy scheduling these things so that you can just sit here and like socialize and connect with people all day? Because we are talking about the same fucking thing over and over. There is a solution. We've come to it. Why are we still here? And she just looked at me like, what is wrong with you? Why would you say that to me? But I, I couldn't handle it anymore. I was just, I couldn't get, I just can't get behind that. Uh-uh. Yeah. I, I think that's one reason I worked for myself is meetings are so painful. Talk about the physical pain that you sometimes describe. When yeah. I'm in a meeting, I feel a lot of like physical discomfort. I'm often trying to like, like I'll often be sketching out a to-do list, but my brain has to be productive if it's a pointless meeting yeah. um, because it's so aggravating in my body. For sure. When I hold staff meetings for my group practice, I, I have a bullet point list and I'm just like, boom, 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 mm. like, get this done. I don't want to sit here for an hour. And uh, mm. I, I, yeah. Yeah. We need to have this episode for sure. I want to have her on and I want to know these thoughts about like what feels commonplace, what feels like very typical, what feels mm-hmm. like very comfortable and what feels uncomfortable about all of this stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for this episode. <laughs> She's going to be the perfect person because she's the, Jennifer is the epitome of like, yeah, everything we're talking about right now, perfect person. We could do a mini series. We could, we could do Ask an Holistic. Here's the other thing I'd be curious about is ask an adhd someone who we know is not also autistic, and then right. ask an autistic, someone who is autistic and not ADHD. Because mm-hmm. I'm also always like, is this ADHD? Is this autism? Yeah. And we could have a like. I like ask- this. Ask the holistic, ask the ADHD, ask the autistic. Okay, we're going to do this. For all of you listening, um, if you've been listening so far, um, please send us your questions. We want to have them answered from different perspectives and different neurotypes. So um, really would like to have these conversations and hopefully they can be illuminating to some of us, including ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So emotions are challenging like we've talked about i think that megan's brought up a lot of good points for me to consider too um and in terms of the way i've been thinking about things and i do think to continue having these conversations around um, how emotions show up and how you can express yourselves without having to name your feelings because i think that is a really important part of this too sorry i'm just having a moment and i could be totally wrong did we hit record yeah yeah we did we did <laughs> sorry i just let it go i'm like i don't remember <laughs> we're trying to record on a saturday today to, to batch some recordings i think we're at our limit so <laughs> you said something and my brain went off on like did we hit record 
I think you said something nice. I'm sorry. I don't know how to respond because I missed it. Mm. So, <laughs> I think uh, we're I at totally the awkward transition point where we don't know how to say goodbye. And oh, <laughs> yes. All of you listening to the Divergent Conversations podcast, new episodes out every single week on all major platforms like download, subscribe, and share. Goodbye. And now, pause for a word from our sponsors. From new patients faced with an empty lobby and no idea where to find their therapist, to clinicians with a session running overtime and the doorbell ringing, some of the most anxiety-ridden moments of a therapy appointment happen before a session even starts. This episode's sponsor, The Receptionist for iPad, helps you tackle some of that pre-appointment apprehension and anxiety. The Receptionist for iPad is an easy-to-use digital client check-in system that helps your visitors check in securely to their appointments and notify their practitioners of their arrival via SMS, email, or your preferred channel. No more confusion, endless lobby checking, or having clients sign in on paper logbooks. It can even help you upgrade and update your demographic information for your clients as well and even validate parking. Start a 14-day free trial of The Receptionist for iPad by going to thereceptionist.com slash private practice. Make sure to start your trial with that link and you'll also get your first month free if you decide to sign up.